Yeah, it is crunch time. Adrian Prezenko, Scotty Sattler, who will be doing the call with Drury Forbes. And the rat, that's coming up at 3 o'clock. The Dolphins take on the Eels. Big, big game. But speaking about the Broncos, boys, and I want to tee off on a couple of things here. It is ridiculous that we're even chatting about Ben Hunt possibly going to the Broncos this year. It is making a farce of the salary cap. On the run home with Joel and Fletch at the start of the year before round one, I spoke to Fletch about the rort that is available to teams. You're in your best interest to leave a spot available in your 30. And the reason I say this, so let's just hypothetically say the market value for Ben Hunt is a million dollars. Now, if he was to sign this week with the Broncos, then you've probably paid him since November 1st about two-thirds of the contract. So you only need to keep $300,000 in your cap to be able to pay for a player like Ben Hunt. Now, my theory on this is it should be prorated. That amount of money should be prorated, not in the instance of Tommy Turbo. Tommy Turbo should be able to be replaced like for like because Mm. it happened with the jersey, which was New South Wales, not his club. But in the instance of Ben Hunt, if he was to leave the Dragons, it shouldn't be... The argument would be, yeah, but we've only had him for a third of the year. Therefore, you know, we've got 300000 there or 400000 whatever the case may be. We should be able to just pay that. But the point is the Broncos are leading the competition. They haven't needed him for the first two-thirds. But come grand final day, if Ben Hunt is standing there in a Broncos number nine, number seven, whatever the case may be, jersey, he's effectively still a million-dollar play player on grand final day, which is completely making a mockery of the salary cap. The second thing is, is these ridiculous detours. It, it sounds as though Ben Hunt is zero chance of being at the Broncos next year. And we saw this with Tavita Pangai Jr., who had signed a contract with Canterbury, and we're allowing a player just to go and have a little detour, right, to go and play. And this is what I said um, at the start of the year around keeping a spot in your squad. At this stage of the year, you could go through those teams very shortly by August 7, which is so late for starters to be able to do this anyway, and then look at those at the bottom of the club, bottom of the ladder, and even players who are contracted to a club, you could release them to get them back. You mentioned before, AP, that for Parramatta, it's in their best interests for a player like Mitchell Moses to go and play yep. uh, State of Origin. Yep. So if I'm a club flailing at the bottom, we can't make the eight, it's in my best interests to go and send a player to a successful club to learn what all that's about and go and play some finals and possibly a grand final. It's ridiculous, this loophole we have, A, on the fact that we don't pro rata what's left in the cap and then you can have on grand final day a million-dollar player like Ben Hunt and your team who you wouldn't have fit in your cap at the start of the year. And the second part is the detours. What do you boys think? This raises a whole lot of other questions too, right? Firstly, Ben Hunt signed a deal in the off-season. And he did that for, for two additional years. So we haven't even gotten to that extension as yet. No. And I know how close he is to the, the former coach, Anthony Griffin, but he was on borrowed time then. So his sacking isn't a massive surprise to anyone. Um, the other thing too is, and we know how scarce halfbacks are, and that's why there's a big fuss over Ben Hunt. He's 33 years old. He'll be 34 in March of next year. And he's played almost as much hooker this season yeah. as he has as a halfback. And yet there's this mad scramble over his services, which I think speaks to the broader issue of where are all the playmakers? And you you know, like you're involved in um, Shug in, in, in footy at junior level, and there's so much talent there, but there, where are all of the playmakers? Where are the sixes and sevens yeah. and the decision makers? And So why are we, why are we haggling about um, Ben Hunt? 
The other thing for the Dragons too is that somehow they need to manufacture a win out of this. And I don't know how they do that, whether that be cash or something in return. But they're in a world of hurt. Um, they've got a disgruntled captain who doesn't want to be there. So, so he's not going to be there, right? Yep. And they have two, you could argue, ready-made replacements in the halves. So you've got Junior Ramone and Jaden Sullivan. So last year, those guys were agitating for releases anyway. So it, it, in a respect, they can start under Shane Flanagan or, or, or even as soon as next week and say, like, These, this is going to be the future for us going forward. But, yeah, like it's – I take your point with you've got a million-dollar player for, what, 300K or whatever, potentially lining up for the table-topping Broncos in a grand final. And here's, here's an extreme one. Are you there, Sats? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, here's an extreme one for you. Um, and there was a nice text here around everything fell apart when Jack White and pulled out of the series, which is – I'll get to uh, the author of that text in a moment. But um, here's a, a very extreme hypothetical because, A, the Canberra Raiders are still in the mix. So Canberra Raider fans, just calm down. I'm just using an example. Hypothetically, come uh, late July, which is still a good week or so out from the cutoff for transfers, and it's the optimal time to get a transfer because you get them at their pro-rated cheapness – Say that South go, say Latrell's not playing at the moment or whatever the case may be, but say they've got a $200,000 lying around their cap or they release a player, they could get Jack White in this year, which on grand final day, you've got an eight or $900,000 player. It is such a rort that we allow available to the clubs. And it's not, it's, it makes a mockery of having the cap in the first place. I just, I just think if, unless it's a loan situation, like Harry Grant did when he went yep. to the Tigers to learn how to play first grade, uh, Jonah Pezzett would be, we've used that as an example, would be a really good opportunity for him when they've got injuries to, to go somewhere for five or six weeks to play more first grade. And unless it's a loan situation, I don't think a team and where they're sitting currently, any of those sides that are out of the top eight at the moment, and whenever a, 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 tra- or not a transfer, a movement of a player, I just don't think they can go to a team in the top eight. So th- but this is, think about this, boys, in its easiest form. And you know I love the maths part of things, but... At the moment, say you've got 300000 in your cap, because we're two-thirds throughout the, the year, you can effectively pick up a $900,000 player. If you prorated it, so at the start of the year, you've got 300 left, left in your cap, but we're two-thirds through the year. So now, Club B, you've only got 100000 available in your cap because we're two-thirds. You had 300000 at the start of the year, but now we're two-thirds down the year. So now you've only got 100000 which only affords you the chance to get a $300,000 play. Do you know what I'm saying here? That's, yeah, you, got, you, you need to pro rata that available component. I also find it really interesting as to what it means for other players on the open market. So, for instance, Luke Brooks is off contract at West Tigers at the moment, and it was widely reported that they offered him basically a mill over two years. That's incorrect. Yep. They offered him a three-year deal at 600 per year, yep. so 1.8. And he said no. Yep. So he reckons he's worth more than that. Yep. I don't know where he's going to end up and whether Ben Hunt's future affects him. But Luke Brooks is saying no to the West Tigers at $1.8 million. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, what's, I know. What's doing? I know. I mean, And this is a guy who's on more than a million dollars now and he's not performing like a million-dollar player. And yep. at what point do you go, like, I almost owe it to them to take unders yep. going forward, given that I've been on so much money and haven't performed to that paycheck in the past. Like, they're... They're paying overs because he's had a good month of football, and it's still not enough. I'll, I'll tell you this, Sats. The, there's one thing being a brilliant player in your own accord, and there's other being, and you all know players like this, where 
They're a great player, but they rise the tide. You know, they when Sonny Bill Williams went to the Roosters, all reports were that his influence on the squad dragged the best out of everyone. Here's a fun fact, Sats. Of the top highest paid eight players in the competition, just one has their team in the top eight. Mm. Tom Brady used to take unders so that he could get better players around him. Unless you're a player, and that one player, by the way, is Nathan Cleary, Nathan Cleary's influence at training and the standards and all those sorts of things dragged the whole, all the ships up in that tide. Other players like, and and the evidence supports this, Ben Hunt has been awesome for the Dragons as a player himself, but we're yet to see evidence of Tommy Turbo, Ben Hunt, Daly Cherry Evans, uh, all those other highest paid players see the best football of players around them. Like you couldn't say that Ben Hunt's seen the best out of Lomax or the best out of... But himself, he's been absolutely brilliant. But as a leader, has he got the absolute best out of those players in his squad as a leader? What do we think of that? It's a really good point. And I heard you talking about this during the week, and you made a really good point. It makes you sit back and think about those million-dollar players and how great they are as individuals. And But, you know, a true leader is the one that, like you said, Sugar, is the one that has the ability to drag those people around you and and lift their standards. It's you know, it's a sunny bill effect. Yep, yep. And so, yeah, like you spoke about also. We've got a text there from Rob saying it's an unpopular opinion, and I'm, I'm sort of in a roundabout way. I'm getting back to your point. RTS would upset the Warriors' apple cart. Players rolling with confidence at the moment. Chans and, and Sean Johnson. Um, it's, it is a sunny bill effect. Now, on the flip side of that, Rob, he may come back for money that is well under what he would be on the market, lift those around him just purely because, like you said, Sugar, early on, purely because of the aura and the, and the star factor that he can bring. But outside of that, off the field, his training ethic, uh, his preparation from all reports is exemplary. So there's a player that has the ability to drag everyone else around you and take you to another level. So I agree with your point. Yep, and, and that's where you need to consider these things. Sharks ran second last year, breakout season. And the sharp turnaround, yes, Craig Fitzgibbon played a major, major part, but my mail is, you know, Nico Hines and Dale Finucane, and they just push the whole playing group to better standards, which, of course, Craig Fitzgibbon and the coaching staff have done the same. But it's the, that's so important. And the Dragons, well, their next signings, and they should be getting some money uh, out of whoever it is to put themselves in a winning position. Their next few signings have got to be players, every single one of those signings, who raise the tide for those ships. one 300 one 1170